0: Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Hey folks, Jason Bond in the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom's here with a puzzled look on his face. What did you have a puzzled look on your I face? Because the music wasn't as loud? It wasn't as loud as what I was used to. You know why the music wasn't as loud?
1: No, I because you didn't turn it up as Because I didn't turn it up as far. Okay
0: that's why that's
1: why there was a puzzled look on my face (laughs) i'm just questioning as to why sometimes it's loud sometimes it's
0: not it's fine because it's on a slider and i can make it really loud or not so loud
1: you do that to just continue to get a (laughs) puzzled look from me i'll have to stop the puzzled look no
0: i really had no intentions of it. that's just that's just where the slider ended up it's fine
1: puzzled look is what goes with tired tom long day yesterday so that's okay Why don't you introduce our guest this morning? Okay, so our continuing series in YAG, we have with us this morning Brad Shivers, a local farmer, and I'll tell just a brief background of how I know Brad. I've come to know Brad. Uh, We go to church together at Covenant Presbyterian in Cleveland, not to to call out our church, but definitely a good place to, to meet folks. That's not something you regularly hear from a Yankee. I will not be shy to actually make the statement that I am a recovering, or as I jokingly say, a repentant Yankee. Hopefully that won't get edited out. I'd rather that not be on the floor, but we have Brad with us this morning.
2: Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Don't, don't be shy. You. Don't Thank be shy. You. You're not shy. It's not normal. It's not normal situations. I'll do it with my hands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I totally understand. So I hadn't met Brad before, so we've been sitting around talking for a little while this morning. Tom's giving us a Mississippi geography lesson. Tom, do you think, is there anybody that knows more about Mississippi geography than you? I, like like the road system?
1: I'm sure there or is landmarks. For some reason, just I always tell folks the way my brain works. I catalog things in just strange manners. So geography is like your superpower? If you could consider geography a superpower, but then you'd find out that I cheat and I have those gazetteers next to me in the truck and I write notes all Nobody over. Nobody knows what that is.
2: Nobody know does I have one. Do you have
0: a gazetteer? I have right? one in my truck. I did for a long time. They're I think, fantastic. I think somebody finally put a muddy boot on top of it or something. Mine have all fallen apart. I mean, they're just a in depth map of the state that gives you better coverage. So do you think anybody under the age of, I don't know, say twenty five, knows what a gazetteer no. is? Or an atlas. People call it an atlas. Yeah.
2: Or just a paper map. (laughs) County by county breakdown.
1: (laughs) Well, I think everybody's convinced that that phone does such a great job for them. But like we were talking about this morning, Mm -hmm. I was trying to get Brad to Stoneville and I dropped him a pen. And basically what I said was hopefully this will get you to where I want you to go. Because there are times where that GPS technology puts you somewhere else. Well the thing all these I think under, they make you
2: stupid under
1: twenty five oh, year olds sure. forget. And numb you is you have to have some general idea of where you're going in a geographic perspective. Because the, if people, you don't know
0: where you're generally going, you're not going to be able to get there. There nice. are people that are your age, Tom Allen, that have no concept of north, south, east or west, let alone the road system overlaid on top of north, south, east and west. And around here, if you're going west, if you get to the levee, you went too far, right? That's right. If you get to the hill, you're going east. If you get to the hill, you went too far. Problem solved. If you get to Memphis, turn around and come back. So to answer your
1: question, there probably are some people in this state who have a lot better geographical perspective than I do. Certainly on a finer scale.
0: I don't know that I know any of them. We've
1: meandered off just a yeah, smidge yeah, too far.
0: Tom's geography lesson. That's definitely not what we were here to talk about with Brad. We Brad told us before we started that he hadn't listened to any of these. Therefore, I have the luxury of springing a question on him. No, I listened to the very first one. I haven't okay. He listened to the first one. The y very first egg. one, yeah. yeah. I listened right. to Tom's excuse
2: uh, how he got here. Excuse.
0: That's <laughs> an interesting story, by the way. Brad. Where do you stand on roller coasters?
2: You don't stand on roller coasters.
0: (laughs) Well played. Well played. I did have to think about it for a second. However, some of them. Some of them.
2: You you hang. hang. There's
0: that one at the carnival that goes around in a circle and the floor falls out. Do they still do
2: that? uh, Gavatron. Gavitron? Gravitron. 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 Yeah, Gravity.
0: Yeah. I bet that's illegal Gravity. now. I bet they don't do that. You know, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I saw some stuff in Shoba County Fair that I'm pretty sure is not legal in most states. <laughs> <laughs> more, more mainly in the, this. Yeah. Straight out of the 1980s. Oh, awful. And they don't let you off. They're like, that's the whole deal. Like, they won't let you off.
0: Let me rephrase my question brad how do you feel about roller coasters i'm fine with roller coasters say i am too tom you're a i thumbs grew up
2: riding the zippin pippin in Liberty land the <laughs> oldest wooden roller coaster in the world up to a certain point but till they wrecked it
0: tom you're a thumbs down on roller coasters i'm kind of a thumbs down on I roller coasters
2: that. i can see that
1: tracy reminds me that it's a control issue that i'm not in control
0: and therefore i dislike it
2: and tracy probably loves them <laughs> tracy does love with them. her with <laughs> her uh demeanor i can see that <laughs> I can see that.
0: See, my my wife, she's adamantly against
1: them. Tracy likes them. Ward likes them. Claire hates them.
2: Yeah. I get nervous on them, but I don't mind them.
0: I'm not wild about going upside down. but
1: I don't like going upside down. It's an inertia issue. Inherent, I want to look around, and that's not a good thing to do because then you kind of screw up your inner ear if you do that incorrectly. Okay, Brad, we consider you a young farmer, and that's really –
0: Although he has been to Liberty Land, so he kind of <laughs> he's not as young as you might think. No, I just turned 40. <laughs> Tom's never heard of Liberty Land, I would assume. No, I yeah. have no idea what you're talking about. It was in Memphis, man. It was in Memphis,
1: the old state fairgrounds. I've never been to the state fairgrounds. I have been to Memphis. Continue, sorry. So we obviously have Brad here for our Y Ag series to talk about how he got into farming. The general direction of that is, I think, to give young people in ag who are attempting to make a decision as to whether or not they would like to stay in ag or as our parents usually told us, hey, distance makes the heart grow fond. Is it something they want to come back to? And I know we briefly talked about this through text messages like probably about a month ago Mm -hmm. when I came up with that idea. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background?
2: I grew up in Cleveland and I'm technically, I guess, a second generational farmer. My grandfather own farmland, but it was actually my uncles who farmed. And so it's how my dad kind of got into it. Grew up on a farm, chopping cotton, doing whatever. Started working on the farm, probably 11, 12 years old. So child labor. I think there's laws against it now. <laughs> and then. Uh, <laughs> no, it's cool, dude. I did it too. Yeah. <laughs> my father was always really good. Edu- he was always big on education. Moorhead was his highest education. Went to Moorhead. He played football, got married, started work on a farm. And so he always pushed me towards getting a good education because in his purview, the farm will always be here.
0: My dad, exact same thing. That was his exact words. You go do what you need to do. It'll always be here if you want to come back.
2: Yeah. Wow. I I remember distinctively probably, I was probably in ninth or tenth grade and my dad were shoveling like in a rice field, blown out levees, big rain. And he just stopped and he was like, I want you to remember this moment right here, what we're doing. He says, and that's when we had the conversation. So you can always come back. But he said, there's so much better in this world. You have those days where you're kind of like, I'm just over it. And I think that was one of his moments. And I vividly remember that conversation of all the conversations. And so I went to graduate Bioacademy in 1999. Went to Mississippi State. Lived my best life for five years. Uh, Majored in microbiology, pre-med. Thought I want to go to dental school. Shadowed a dentist for like half a day. No, <laughs> then I uh, want to go to med school. Honestly, almost had some friends talk me out of it. They're like, you know, they were already family practice doctors or whatever. Like, there's no break, there's no relief. People show up at your house with a casserole, wanting you look at a rash, that kind of stuff. So, kind of got talked out of that. So, an opportunity came up with artist formerly known as UAP, you know, United Agriprise, which is what Nutrient Ag now. They've changed a few names. Yeah. And so I got an internship opportunity in Covington, Tennessee. And went up there for about four years. And they went through a transition where they got bought out. And so I would had a guy, a mutual, I made an acquaintance in Memphis at the time. Covington is about 45 minutes north of Memphis. And, uh, of course, as a young single guy, he spent a lot of time in Memphis during that time. Met a guy, I got to be pretty good acquaintance with him and he was a pharmaceutical sales representative or manager. And he was all, he was just hounding me. He said with my medical background and everything, he was like, if you ever want a job, so I would love five, I open give you an opportunity and just so happens opportunity came up kind of saw the right on the wall with the transition and closing locations and moving around. And so I jumped into the pharmaceutical sector, did that for a while seven to nine years off and on. And how I got back into ag, so I kind of went around the world on this, was 2009, I lost my job at a pharmaceutical company. And it was right at harvest time. And, of course, didn't have anything to do. had to pay bills. Went back home and helped with harvest. At the time, I was just doing something, just kind of feeling need. need. I was trying to find another job at a pharmaceutical company. And so I was, I was home from pretty much, I don't know, because I lost my job Labor Day weekend. I went home for dove season. Lost my job Labor Day weekend. And so pretty much from September to December, I was interviewing and trying to find a stay in a job, whatever, but the whole time I was still on the farm. And I didn't realize at the time it was kind of planting the seed for my future. And so I ended up getting a job in December, January, 09, 10, and went through like two or three different jobs because companies were constantly hiring and firing, hiring and firing, hiring and firing. It's kind of the way the industry was going at that time. Sunshine Act came in. Couldn't even hand out a pen to a doctor anymore. Couldn't take lunch or anything to an office. It really changed the dynamic the entire industry to where it is now. And it's pretty much no human contact, which defeats the entire purpose of sales. And so 2012, I was at like a, I think it's 4th of July, and my dad called me. And we're out in Lake Caroline, And I talked to him on the porch for like three hours. Probably the longest conversation my, I've had with my dad my entire life. Probably still to this point, one of his main guys had left and he was like i don't know what i'm gonna do i mean he was like in a, at a state that he was just like i'm not sure where we're gonna go which the guy who left was had been with us for geez 20 years and he got a job at fedex and we're all about bettering ourselves or helping someone better themselves and so he moved on when he told me that the whole time from 09 to 2012 at this point i'd had this kind of itch to go back to the farm it was in the back of my brain. I, my entire life I always thought I would end up on the farm, but not at that early a point in my life. Um, I always thought Dad would be retired or be ready to retire and then we'd make the transition back to the farm. That was always my plan. Well, of course, the Lord has his own path, his own plans. And so from when I went back that little short period in harvest in 2009, it planned to seed, and the entire time I was in pharmaceuticals, I never enjoyed it again. It was almost like something was pulling me the whole time, and it was the farm. And so, get tired of conference calls and success stories on Fridays. When you're in the corporate sector, and then you, you get out of it just for a minute, and you go back in, it's never the same. You know, unless you just really love what you're doing. I just always had I kind of something pulling on me, and the dad called me 2012. I said, I'll come home. He was like, no, 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 someone call me. Like, he was really just calling the vent and just really talked through what he's going to do with some next step. How do I find somebody? And that was really on the cusp of labor issues. It's not, they're not near as bad as what they, we are, are now, but he was really seeing. He was like, he was really freaking out. He's like, I'm not going to find anybody else. And that was 2012. So that's nine years ago. And so now it's kind of a blessing in disguise. I came back when I did because he was really freaking out about the labor situation on the farm. It was to a critical point. And we're still, at a, from that point on, it's been a critical point because all the old guys are gone and there's no new workforce. And so I came in in a good time where we're trying to be like, well, he's in a good, good enough point stand acreage-wise and financially to where we can really start making stuff, equipment larger, being more efficient to cover more ground with less labor. And so that's where I came back in, in 2012, came back home April 2012 been just kind of rolling downhill ever since. That was a long story. Sorry.
1: No, I, I think that's a, I think that's a good story because it shows that you longed for that farming experience, having your formative years on the farm. And I think that's something that you talk to a lot of people your age or even a little bit younger. And certainly the last few weeks, I know Jason and I have talked about with, with several people and I, I can't even recall who it was that you know hey I, I hated working with gated pipe i can't stand working with metal pipe why would i want to continue to chop weeds for the rest of my life that's not something i see myself doing and then i think that was me dude if it wasn't you it <laughs> was promise somebody you else it was me. that i <laughs> I, pro- promise I think you.
0: <laughs> i think that's the conversation i get into because i think a lot I'm, of the only, yeah. I'm the only person we've had it here that's mentioned gated pipe maybe oh, so i, still,
2: I tell myself <laughs> my south africans i hear them complain about having to patch poly pipe when a coyote chews through it or something like that. And I was like, you don't want to know the days of toting hard pipe. Oh, Not yeah. only laying it, but the worst part was taking it apart. Every day. Before harvest. Yeah. And you got to take it apart and it's been greased together and those rubber gaskets. Are stuck? Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, but I remember the days of lay- of the aluminum yeah. twist style and it's just hot as the center of the sun in August. <laughs> and you're trying to take that pipe apart, and you're literally skull, you're wearing welding gloves in August trying to pull that stuff apart. I so said, y'all don't know how fun that was.
0: What do you say to a kid that's and maybe they're in college and grew up on a farm, or maybe they didn't grow up on a farm, and they have some interest in agriculture, but not a commitment either way? So what do you say to somebody like that?
2: The ag sector now. Has evolved so much from when I was in when I went to college. I I started out in was it A E T B or whatever. What was that? It's like it was like ag yeah. technology, engineering, right. and business or something. I did that for like six weeks and slept through most of it. i had to take a soils class and I was like, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> we have sandy loam and buckshot. I don't, I don't need to know any of this stuff. And so and that's where we had the conversation about me getting into a different degree. But anywho, but yeah, anybody's on the fence. The ag sector now, there's so many ways to go. Like I said, with technology, with the business side, whether it's commodities, I mean, there's so much stuff. And that's what I'm saying now. Like my dad, you know, used to when he started farming 40 years ago, 38 years ago, it was just you got up, you went to work, paid your debts every 30 days, and that's it, and you stayed in the field most of the time. Well, now it's so much stuff. Whether it's certifying crops, whether it's you know. Time you got to put in on getting your inputs in, your timing, your labor issues. Like I said, we're doing this H-2A program. That takes up 40% of my time trying to get get labor over here, trying to interview a guy that's eight hours ahead on time, that kind of stuff. And so it's just evolved so much, and there's so many different ways. I mean, like the drone technology now they have has come in, and the agriculture has been there for a while, but there's some places absolutely just blow your socks off stuff they're doing with drones. You know, we talk about all the time. We wish there was a way to scout our fields for irrigation with drones all the time. So there's stuff that's coming up that hadn't even developed here or doing overseas or whatever. You know, let's say somebody wants to get into, somebody like maybe, you know, grew up on a farm, but they're big into computer programming because every kid has a computer now or an iPad. You can do that all day long in the ag sector and still have your farm. You know, so, so there's a way so much you can do in ag because ag is the backbone of this country. And it's mostly what was found upon between that and faith. But it was, um, there's a lot of ways to go. And so if you're on the fence, I mean, just look and try it. If you wanna do sales, plenty of places to do ag sales, whether it's heavy equipment, whether it's land sales, whether it's input sales. And so there's not much in the corporate world that ag does not touch. So there's so many different ways to go. I mean, it's a, it's a great realm. And like I said, if you're fortunate enough to, if you grew up on a farm, and you have an established farm, it's always good to kind of stay in contact with it anyway. Like I said, but you can do something else and do that. Math buddies are doctors that grew up on a farm that still have farm and still farm on the side, you know, find you a good manager and you can still do both and still keep your hands on it. Cause I think everyone that is raised on the farm, unless they're like mauled by hog or something, or had like a, my mom talks about getting mauled by this Turkey. Every time they came home to her great grandmother's house, great stories. But, uh, I guess as long as you're not like traumatized as a child on a farm, I guess you can, you're always going to have that small calling. My friends that are lawyers in DC, but they still own a farm in Arkansas and they fly down there a couple times a year and they have, it's rented out, but they still have that itch or that pull to go lay eyes on it. Even though they can just pull a huge check every year for rent that he can pretty much probably live off of, but he still has that calling, and itch to go check on his place or go see his place and walk around his place. And so I think you always have that seed planted if you grow up on a farm that you always want to have can easily get pulled back into the farming aspect in some facet, whether it's the business side or ownership or rent or whichever, but you always have that pull it's just something about land. Whether you own it or whatever, it's just it's something about it. It always pulls you back.
1: Well, and any kid right now really needs to consider The expertise, experience, and that draw to the land, if they did grow up on a farm, that they don't necessarily have to go and farm if they can't stand that part of it. But they could use that experience, expertise that they gained on the farm to go do something else in agriculture. There's plenty of directions to go. You can go be an engineer. You can go be an engineer and work for one of these large equipment companies and designing the next series of combines that's any of those companies probably need somebody with that experience, that down home experience where they could end up walking out to actually talk to a farmer and ask them, Hey, how do you see this working? Can we cycle this through this piece of equipment faster so that they have that understanding and experience? Because there there are plenty of people that don't Mm -hmm. when they get into those design and fabrication type systems that they have no idea what goes on on a
0: farm. Brad, that's awesome, man. Really appreciate you spending time with us this morning. I'm glad I got to meet you. I don't know that we've ever actually had a conversation before, so enjoyed that. I think we got a lot of shared experiences as well, so we appreciate it. Well, and I think lots of people do. And I think
1: sometimes we don't necessarily broach that topic when we get together in some settings. And that's something I think we should be more, it would be more beneficial if we would cover that topic with each other, because I think that's important for people that are younger than us to consider that, hey, you know, what, what do I want to do? Because yeah, sure. It's a, it's a bright, shiny world out there in some places, but the traffic, the congestion of some of those cities and, and the whole corporate experience, it can be good. But the stress that can be involved in that and the and the pull away from your family and some of those instances and you know, a forty five minute commute versus
2: a five minute commute is can mean a lot. I tell people all the time, quality of life. People people really take it for granted, you know, the quality of life. And like I said, being out here, I can't run to an Arby's. But that the overall purview and quality of life and life I'm trying to provide for my family, it cannot be you can't put a price on it.
1: No, and being willing to share those experiences and how you mm-hmm. consider that's important as well. Yeah. Because I think that will at least allow somebody the thought process to hey, that's that's okay. It's okay mm-hmm. to be drawn back to the farm. And yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of instances where farmers may not have enough land to support somebody else coming back there. But in your instance, and and certainly the instance when we talked to to Tyler Mootzi, same type of thing. Door open somebody had to step off the farm and then that you considered that to be an important topic for you to get back into that process with with your dad and that's something i think that we all should be willing to discuss and certainly see that when that door opens that it's time to go back and do
2: that yeah and a lot of it's just patience like you said i'm considered a young farmer when i look at all my neighbors my stuff neighbors like i said in their upper 70s up to the 90s that are still farming, they're partially retired, but they still got their several hundred acres. Most of these guys' kids went off and did something or they had all daughters and didn't have you know, a son-in-law wanting to come back or whichever. Those guys are going to need somebody to farm their land eventually. We do need more young people. Luckily, where we are, there are you, we have some younger guys coming in that are a good 8, 10 years younger than me, but they're doing the same thing. They're trying to grab land and get what they can, just trying to get their hands on whatever they can. But if you're just patient, and smart, you can make it work, and then you know just just wait your turn, because there's going to be plenty. Because like I said, I bet the general—I don't know what the average is, but I guarantee you—the general demographic of farmers in the country has got to be probably six-five or older.
1: It is somewhere and in the sixties,
2: so, and there's probably a huge break in there, generation-wise. Lands one thing you're not making any more of. If we want to keep it going, you know, like I said, you're going to have your time. You know, you do things the right way, you're going to have your time. You just got to wait your time. Like my dad, I mean. My dad started out, he graduated from Moorhead. He, far, he started off farming 13 acres. I, my grandfather gave him 13 acres to start farming on his own, and he worked for my great-uncle on his farm. Eventually, my great-uncle retired, and my dad bought him out, and that's how he got his farm. You just wait your time. There's always going to be an opportunity. because like they say there's tons of people in this world that their kids left and never wanted to come back.
1: Brad, we really appreciate you coming and spending some time with us. I've
2: enjoyed it. It's a unique experience. The
1: the rain definitely helped kind of slow some things down here so we could get you in here. And I don't want to throw dates out there because we're not exactly sure when this will go out, but that's, you know, we appreciate that. Thank you so much for being willing to tell your story. I mean, it, 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 helps. I think is it's important for people to hear that. And it's important for us to talk about that and help facilitate some of that because I think that's going to become even more important as we move forward. This is definitely something I think Jason and I will continue talking to young people that are on the farm and, and to get some of their experiences out there and see the direction that, that ag in general and farming is going. So our general continued listeners, we really appreciate the support and the continued messages. Uh, and Brad, you know, thanks, thanks again so much.
2: I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Brad.